This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Support for this podcast comes from Frito Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Just like that, another Redskins season in the books. We're here to talk about it. Thanks for tuning in. This is Hogs Night of Porkcast, episode number three. If you're listening for the very first time, allow us to reintroduce ourselves. You got Brian Sabby, a.k.a. Brian from Kickball, a.k.a. Brian from Hogshaven, lead editor and now podcast manager. We got Dr. Chris Jones in the building. Casual, casual fan here. I got no, no titles. Not, uh, not lead up quite the same as that. But that's okay. We, we don't have to. We're not a. We're. It's all egalitarian up in here. We're, we're okay. all the same. You're a doctor compared to me. So you got that credential going for you. I do have a plaque on the wall. <laughs> we got the champs drummer. We got Brettsky, doctor of drums. You got your PhD. I don't even know what that would mean. You got your PhD <laughs> in drumming. That works, yeah. Doctor Ums. <laughs> Doctor Ums. <laughs> Beach in the house. Yes, yeah, sort of happy to be here. Welcome back, everybody. And Ned Botneal. How's it going? Yeah, this is. Uh, well, we'll get into it this week. It was. Uh, it was interesting, but yeah. Yeah, this is our end of season forecast. Uh, the Redskins. 2018 season has come to a close. We appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll put a little quick PSA on the front end of this guy if this is the very first time that you're listening to us, and it likely is unless you are digging in the deep recesses of the Internet for Redskins-related content, which I know some of you do. We are launching this brand-new channel for Hogshaven and are currently still looking for additional hosts to be a part of it. So if you think you got the chops to match up with the folks in this room, Get over that low bar and shoot me a note. <laughs> and that's not those on the field. It's just us in this podcast. So they'll so. beat everybody but Brian. So. so let's talk a little bit about, and I when I say a little bit, I mean a little bit, Redskins fall in Week 17 to the Eagles. It was a bit of a laugher. They were at home. They get shut out. I mean, it started bad. It ended worse. Uh, really, what is there to say? We talked about it on the tail end of last week's show. 
Eagles had everything to play for. The Redskins had nothing to play for. And, I mean, it kind of bore out that way, didn't it? I think it, it's funny to say this as, like, a, a typical heartbroken D.C. fan. It seems like whenever the tables are turned and this would be a Skins game that they would have to win, I, I bet if the Skins were in this position, they would still produce the same result. That's just the, the jaded fan I've become because they've they've been in this position before but they'll still fall flat. And say it was a team that didn't have as much to fight for besides being just a spoiler. They did this two or three years ago against the Giants in Week 17. It's just win and get in. And, yeah, sure, it's a tough win, but it's a team that probably doesn't have as much to to play for except ruining your season. And it's something that I I wish we could have done to the Eagles, but I don't know. It's just tough to watch. It's it's good to see a team win when they need to, but it's – tough to watch when your team can't do it and i i want to play the spoiler for once i feel like we're somehow always in a position to just make it and we always fall short but this year we had the chance to knock out the defending super bowl champions and i wanted to yeah just play for something neat but i wanted to just kind of knock them out and just have a feel-good moment for the end of the season just something to look forward to but obviously it, it fell quite short of that yeah um i always felt like the product on the field kind of played out the way I expected. Uh, you're you're giving a good defense um, full time to prepare for a backup quarterback. So um, I didn't think Redskins would score a lot, and our our defense didn't hold them back much either. So yeah, I mean they ended up playing against Nate Sudfeld, former Redskins quarterback, who threw his first career NFL touchdown. And I will Good admit, for him. he had a, he had a nice little moment where he uh, he had to he went over to an Eagles fan and negotiated a trade to get the football back for his first career touchdown. I and I, you know that's a nice thing to see, but it's just like man, they turned that the Eagles fans they turned that game into a home game at FedEx this past week. He had a perfect QB that, QBR rating. That's an understatement. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, the Eagles uh, they get back into the playoffs, and again we're not going to talk about ex girlfriends, but. Also in Week 17, Kirk Cousins played his way out of the playoffs. The Bears win the NFC North. Yeah, that's my ex-girlfriend, Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I think he's so, all of our ex-girlfriends. <laughs> like I said last week, you just got to delete him off of social media. No more Facebook, no more Twitter, no more Instagram. You got to be done with it. We still talk sometimes. Just Snapchat. No, no <laughs> drunk texts to Kirk Cousins. You don't want to be that guy. So Maybe text him on his birthday or something. Maybe, like, peep the gram a little bit. Yeah. Uh, well, What's his new boyfriend like? Kirk boyfriend? Cousins, <laughs> we'll just say it. He's at home. The Redskins are at home. We'll leave it at that. We don't need to get too much more into it. I mean, everything has been said and done. Yeah, it's not all on him. All on him no, but it's not. Absolutely not. So, uh, Redskins finished the season under five they They're 7-9. They had an opportunity to finish five hundred. I don't know if you'd feel better going into this offseason if they were 500. Um, let's talk a little bit about our initial reflections on the season. A high point, obviously, being you know they were 6-3. and three. They were two games up in the division. That was a really great feeling at that point. Think back to where you were in Week 9. It was glorious. It was amazing. I couldn't believe we were in that position. It, it never happens for us, like, the skins of the team who, I don't know, the skins seem to struggle a lot and always make it like a nail-biter to get to get there. But this year, somehow, the season that seemed like we were going to be 
the worst we'd been in a while, losing Geist so early. We somehow got got some luck early on and uh, looked really good, but then hit some some heartbreaking injuries that just killed us. But yeah, it was, it was so exciting to have that those two weeks of just like this season could be something special. Do you have? Does anyone have a best memory of this season? Like your high point of what you really feel was like this is it. I know what mine is. I can't remember what week it is, but oh, what, what was the week that uh, AP ripped off that 90-some yard, or was it 80-some yard? Like four weeks ago. I think we did lose that game. Well, he only had four rushing yards in the second half of that game. Well, I mean, the but those were a big how, yeah, four yards. You, you got to think about how big those were. I'll just say my high point of the season was Don't you say it. watching Don't you say it. the Cowboys back up five yards and kick a kick right oh off the God, upright about that. to win the ball game for the Redskins. And to beat the Cowboys at home and really what at the time felt like bury them. And the Redskins, at that point, you say, all they got to do is go 500, and they're going to make the playoffs. The amount of hope that I felt in that moment and the amount of enthusiasm and excitement and saying, this could happen. This could be real. That for me, I'm going to hold on to that for a while. Even though it didn't pan out, there was there was unbridled hope when the Redskins beat the Cowboys at home. And it's always good to beat the Cowboys at oh, home. Oh, it's always. Yeah, it's great. You've seen those videos on Facebook about fans losing their minds. Yeah. Cowboys fans. <laughs> and, you know, we had there was a poll on uh, SB Nation a couple weeks ago about who is – your top rival. We talked about this last week with um, French toast and waffles and pancakes. Oh, yeah. But I think for a good number of Redskins fans of all generations, if you ask them who is the team that you most want to beat, it's still Dallas. It is, yeah. And so to do it at home, that was that was a nice point this year. I, I think that's true. It's just it's been tough the last couple of years because we're not – as competitive with uh, Dallas as we used to be, I think it's more along the lines of the Giants these days. But it is always fun. I think uh, the players get up to to play the Cowboys, and so it, it 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 turns out to be a good hype week. But sometimes the results not what we're expecting. Well, they beat the Cowboys, and not too long thereafter, that's when the wheels fall off. I mean, obviously the turning point of this year was the Redskins losing Alex Smith. And there's been good news on his front in the intervening weeks. He was in, he had an extended hospital stay. I'll put it out there. Did anybody actually see it happen? Because I did. The injury? Yeah. You did. No, they, well, they did I just a, saw a replay. They did a bad job showing it live. They showed him down after the play. But then right before cutting to commercial, they showed a slow motion. One time. Yeah, one time, and I can still see it so clearly. Yep. And it's yeah. like, it's, yeah, it's terrifying. It was... Yeah, I and I'm glad I only saw it once because I was like, this is this didn't look good. No, I can't watch those. It's awful. Well, you know why they only show it one time, Joe Theismann. Back in the day when he when the Giants Lawrence Taylor snapped his leg in half, they kept on showing the replay over and over and over again. And really, in sports, that was a seminal moment in sports broadcasting. They said, "We're not going to fetishize these injuries." You show it once and that's it. And he tweeted. I, I like he that. tweeted as soon as that happened, saying that's exactly what happened to me, and like, hoping for the best, but knowing this might be yeah the end. Well, the prognosis at first was grim. I mean, there were rumblings that it was going to be a life-altering injury, but it seems like he's sort of taking 
the the steps in the right direction, so to speak. <sighs> it's too soon to say whether or not he'll ever play an NFL game again, which is really kind of tragic for him personally and for this team. So, you know, it, it, the future is kind of hanging in the balance a little bit based on what happens there. Especially with the type of investment that they made in Alex Smith to have him go down is a real heartbreaker for this franchise. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they kind of staked their fortunes on bringing in Alex Smith and having him be productive for at least a couple years while they figure out what they do next. And you'd hope, like, he'd be there to mentor a younger QB, but with this injury, they may have to just get a QB and play him right away or or what have you. Well, and then what ended up being kind of a double backbreaker there was very shortly thereafter, the kind of quarterback in waiting for the duration of Jay Gruden's tenure in Colt McCoy. He goes down with a season-ending injury. It's just like, at that point, you can't buy a, any good luck. And, yeah, I, I know I did. Everyone had to have felt so bad for him because that starting game was the first game Alex Smith was out, and they had a little thing with Colt doing a little intro in the game he's like it's my time finally i've been waiting for this my whole life and like yeah everyone's rooting for him everyone wants him to do well because he's everyone knows he's been behind rg3 behind cousins and then unluckily he yeah obviously he breaks his leg also and it's just something that it just kills the team and i'm hoping he gets healthy but and if we're doing superlative moments of the season i think he goes out, he, he broke his leg, and I can't remember which bone yeah, it was. Sure. He played another series on a broken leg. He went out there and tried to gut it out, and then after that series went over the sideline and was trying to practice some dropbacks and just said, I can't. Yeah, he didn't, because I thought it didn't look that bad, but then it came out that it was broken. So yeah, was, well, <laughs> well yeah, it's no, broken, I know. it's broken. I know, but I mean, yeah, but I know. But he was able to at least walk, so I don't know if that means if it could be a quicker healing process or what, but yeah. Well, he'll he'll be back. They still have him for another year, and we'll probably spend a good amount of time on some off-season podcast talking about, like, really digging deep on what the quarterback situation looks like for the next year or so going forward. Probably something we'll talk about closer to the draft. Grim. Yeah, it's tough. Um, so he goes down, the Redskins go out, and they decide that the Sanchez is the answer, Mark Sanchez. Who he, hasn't, sh- he should never be the answer. Yeah, I don't know why that was the choice. Well, he had some I know, familiarity I know, with the... That, we saw how that played out. Yeah, and you know what? It's funny because back in the day, his his draft year, Vinny Serrato, who was the GM at the time, wanted him so badly. He got taken by the Jets before the Redskins could get to him. And, I mean, the Jets went to two AFC title games so, you know, it's he's obviously far past his prime. The Jets, if I remember right, had a, a very good defense behind him. Yeah, they did. I think he also had LaDainian Tomlinson as, as oh, his running yeah, back. That, that could help. So, you know, it was one of those things where Jay says, well, he's a guy who fits the system. And he came in and it, either there's something wrong with the system or... Or I don't really know what to say. You can't you can't just have like a puzzle piece come in and you think a player's gonna fit this. You need somebody to come in and make plays and to like 
I mean, the uh, like the Redskins offense needs a QB that's going to push the pace because they don't have other players around them that can really move the ball. I mean, no. he yeah, there's limited options. He has to like be the facilitator, put the players in a better position to succeed, and on your third quarterback, he just wasn't cutting it. All right, let's just get into it. One of the one of the guys, obviously, that the immediate name that came up when the Redskins lost Colt McCoy was Colin Kaepernick. And the justification publicly for not bringing him in was he doesn't fit our system. Mm-hmm. Now, Mark Sanchez was apparently the guy who fit the system, and it didn't work. So they went Wait, to, it didn't work? It didn't work. Uh, Did you, you miss that one? That one. That yes, one. That one. That few. <laughs> They bring in Josh Johnson, and this is a guy who hasn't played football in forever. But they looked better with him than they did with the quote-unquote system quarterback. Yeah. So they had to change things up for Josh Johnson. I'm willing to draw some parallels here between two teams regionally. Parallel that to what was going on in Baltimore, where Joe Flacco is kind of a, a limited skill set type guy doesn't move particularly well outside the pocket. He gets hurt. They put Lamar Jackson in, who you have to run an entirely, almost entirely different offense in, and they go from deep in the hole in the AFC North to winning the division. It really makes you wonder, is the excuse of we need a system quarterback, does that hold any water whatsoever? I mean, obviously, those are two totally different players. One's mobile, one's more just arm-heavy. But I think with the Redskins, they didn't have as much talent with a mobile quarterback. Josh Johnson, yeah, sure, he did better running. He did better than Mark Sanchez. Yeah, but still, I mean, neither was great throwing-wise. So we didn't have as much talent, but like, I'm just surprised that the, the pool was so low for that position at that time in the year. I think there was also, like, a I don't know, Sanchez had a history – players didn't believe because they'd seen what he what he's done and he's he's been there you know he's he, in his prime he was good but the last couple seasons he's been around a couple teams and he hasn't he hasn't done too well players didn't really believe you, you throw josh johnson in and right away he, he he went like i don't know he went like four for four and got a touchdown like his first or second drive the team changed completely once he came in you talking about his first game. game his first game okay still he's playing in garbage time against yeah. a 40 to nothing leading giant but still the team looked a little bit like i don't know i, I agree i agree but i guarantee the minutes. defense they were playing was a lot more relaxed but then the next game it was no, jacksonville, no, jacksonville. Can, can i go back to your initial oh, question please so uh the big differences i'm seeing is mostly focused on scheme and defense i mean we haven't even touched on the defense yet we got we got things to talk about there but go on well all right so having joe flacco switch with lamar jackson lends itself to a whole different game plan so their game plan goes from i think also one of the things that's going to kind of not get the attention that it ought to have because it was so dramatic losing Alex Smith was the complete and total collapse of this defense kind of midway through the year somewhat inexplicably at a certain point I truly believed that man for man 
this was one of the best defenses we've seen in our entire lifetime. But it all just fell apart so suddenly. I mean, I think it was right around the time of that Tampa Bay game where they're just getting gashed by Ryan Fitzpatrick, where it's like, who are these guys, you know? Their front seven, any defense that has Allen and Payne on it is automatically vaulted man. In, in terms of a talent perspective towards the top of the last couple of years. Their front seven has been an issue, but they have been really... In, they were individually talented, and for some reason, I, I, I can't... I don't want to be one of these, oh, they didn't have heart, they didn't have fight, but, you know... Josh Norman was just getting totally exposed. Ha Clinton Dix, when they brought him in, wasn't able to get the job done. Mason Foster basically stopped playing. Ryan Kerrigan was consistent, but I think in those situations needs to find a way to stand out. Everything really just went south kind of on a dime. And I don't know if it's what you said earlier, that they were overperforming and they reverted to the mean, or if there was something that was going on. That whole thing really just kind of shocked me. Yeah, I always thought they're overperforming. I mean, for the past three or four years, you could point to this defense and say it was the real weakness of the team. And to me, they didn't make enough changes in the offseason to propel the defense to where they were performing. So in my eyes, it was only a matter of time until they fell back and, and weren't performing as strongly. So now the season's over. Redskins are done. Storylines this week out of Landover, predominantly coming from the Washington Post. Uh, I think I'll, I'll give a quick shout-out. I think the Washington Post just has some of the best coverage, local sports coverage across the board um, of any outlet, of any city, was – that the front office has things have fallen so far that even historically diehard fans have kind of fallen not into anger or sadness, but indifference. Which, based on the the legacy and the tradition of this team, which mind you we've mentioned before, we weren't really there to have ever seen. Yep, they people are just kind of resigned to the fact that this is a team that is irrelevant in a lot of ways. And it's kind of a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, it is. You want to have, as one of the biggest sports teams in this area, you want to have, obviously, a a good team, a competitive team. But after years of um, falling short, it, it, it definitely takes a toll on fans and it gets hard to go to games. People, you can see in the stands, it's been hard to, to get people out there. Yeah, you need you need consistently good seasons for people to start believing again. And also, obviously, we ran into some unlucky bad luck with like injuries this year. But hopefully we can... They were the most injured yeah, team in the league. It was ridiculous how insanely unhealthy we were this year. But hopefully, coming years, we can. But yeah, we need a couple of seasons of just strong wins for people to start believing again. I, th- I think consistent is, is the right word there, but the Redskins do it the wrong way. What are they, like 500 over their last however many seasons now? Yeah, and I mean, under Dan Snyder, his ownership, they're functionally averaging 
in between a seven and nine and six and ten record. Yeah. So that's right. that's that's good enough to always be right there, but not good enough to ever get a good draft pick. And I think that's why they've always been just they haven't progressed or regressed so much because they're not good enough or bad enough to make a big enough move in the offseason because they're always like, oh, it would have just taken three more wins and we would have been there. So it's just something that's that's very frustrating to watch. And you're you're hanging in there all season thinking, all right, maybe we're six and three here. If we can just rock out a good end of the season, we can we can roll into the postseason, maybe maybe do something well here. But then again, those seasons where they're not doing well, I feel like they close out strong. And it's like, well, what are you guys doing? We should probably be tanking at this point and looking for a good prospect in the offseason. But they're they're just always right around 500, and, and so it's never putting them in a great position to, to draft well. And I don't know. It's just something that frustrates me because you have to, after so many years, you ha- something has to change. I feel like a lot of people are kind of getting numb to it, and that's the worst place that you want to be. Like you'd rather, I personally believe you'd rather have mad or sad fans than you'd have fans who kind of just don't care. They just go about. It's like, all right, whatever. That's just how things are now. Yeah, I would have loved to have been Cleveland this year. Sure. Just because they've been so bad, didn't win a game last year. Yeah. And the whole goal was to just win one game. But watching those games were intense. Like even though they were until this year, they were so bad. Fans come to games because they want to see that first win. It's the, something to look forward to. The Browns were literally two plays away from being a playoff. Yeah, team. yeah. The first like three games, they went to like overtime, or they were right there. They they could have made it if they had been able to kick a field goal in a rainy game against the Steelers. Mm-hmm. They win that game, and if in this last and that would set them up this last week. If they had not thrown that interception and been able to kick a field goal, they would have been a playoff team. It's a good thing Bud Light only agreed to the the free fridge of beer for their first win because uh, I think they would have lost a whole lot more money this year. Yeah. So, I mean, good on them. I mean, it had to have been so hard for the last, what, 20 years to have been a Browns fan. But I don't know. The Redskins, they got a long road back. We're heading into an offseason where there are going to be a lot of questions. And I think we'll just close things off by asking one question here because we're going to have more conversations uh, in the off season. If you're the Redskins and you can do one thing that can get back towards regaining some of that relevance, either in the league or with your fans, because clearly there's a fan issue about them not feeling as though this team is is worth their time or money. What's that one thing? What's the one thing the Redskins can do this offseason where they can make enough of a splash that people are, are going to start really reinvesting? I'm going to start with, I don't know who agrees with me, but say fire Jay Gruden. I I don't like what we've done the last couple of years he's been there. We've been a 500 team. We've always been on the cusp of making the playoffs. We've never been – I know we've had struggles with who we've had on the team, but we've never been the dominant team there. And just the playmaking, you see, there's there's calls where we always consistently throw it short on third downs. Like, why don't we go in a little farther? I don't know. I want to, I want to see some change for once, and I want to see us make some moves. And I think – Starting with the head coach, that can lead to some big potential changes that can get fans, hey, what, what's going to be new this year? we got a new head coach, something to look forward to. 
I, I agree. I, I do think, especially this year, injuries haunted us. But I think he's had a very long tenure here. And it's, at, at what point do you say enough's enough? He's had What's the longest it? tenure of any coach under Dan Snyder. And I think uh, underperforming team, too, because we haven't, we've seen, what, one playoff berth with his, him? That's right. Yeah. What's sad is also when you said that everyone drank. Like, they were like, yeah, let's drink to that. <laughs> he probably should be fired at this point. <laughs> I think uh, I think Jay Gruen's gonna get a pass, but uh, people are gonna look to the injuries that he's tried or had to overcome, um, and give him a pass on that. Yeah, uh, I agree. For me, it's it's firing Bruce Allen. He's he's a just just a yes man under uh, Dan Snyder. Uh, I have a stat that when he under his tenure, Washington is fifty eight. And eighty four and oh, one gosh. for a forty point six winning percentage. How is he still there? Like, that's almost a D. Wait, no, no, it's not. It's a forty point six. It's because it's twenty points into an F. <laughs> he has he has weaselled his way into the goodwill of Dan Snyder and their boys. He uh, he fits the system, right, guys. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Trust. It is the right. Redskins system. Dr. Jones. So, yeah, no problem. So if they want to make a big splash that's really going to resonate with the fans, I think starting there is uh, the best the best place to really change it up. I mean, I don't think uh, he's really – he's messed up the Kirk Cousins situation. He's brought in – some players that people don't agree with based on uh, their domestic violence or or whatnot. Uh, I just don't think that he's steering this franchise in the right direction. Uh, I'll go next. I think I have the obvious choice here, but they have to probably shore up the quarterback position. It's it's unknown Alex Smith's status. Uh, he's probably not going to be anywhere close to starting next season. That's probably correct. Um, but I don't think Josh Johnson or Colt McCoy are the answer. So I would love for the Skins to definitely uh, do some good research this off season and and maybe look around and see what free agents are available or, or who are the top prospects. Because of course, with our, our standing, we're not going to have the best pro or draft pick, but. Uh, there might be some free agents out there, and that's a position obviously we're very thin at. And and with the guys we have on hand, they're not going to get us to where we want to be. Other than that, I think we should lock up Tressway for an eight-year deal because he MVP, has far and away MVP, been our best player MVP. for more than a year now. And it's it's tough to say that when your best player is your punter, but he's done a hell of a job. So I think when I think about what this offseason could use to give the Redskins a bit of a shot in the arm. I'm going at it from a place of, of realism. Jay Gruden is not going to get fired. Yeah, I don't think he will either. I just want it to happen. Bruce Allen is definitely not going to get fired. Bruce. What's some of your analysis on that? Or like, why do you, why do you think the best? Because he, Dan, Dan loves him. I mean, he's, he as as I think Chris said, he's a yes man. There was some reports this week that uh, other owners just kind of think of the Redskins front office as a bit of a joke in that it's like living in a snow globe yeah. where 
all they have is each other, and Bruce wholly indulges all the the things that Dan wants. And, I mean, that's borne out. We saw it last week when they laid off the entire marketing staff uh, and the operations staff with Brian LaFamina because they were vocal about things not going well. Is that the importance of not being a yes man? Is that like a... (laughs) I I just think Dan wants a guy who will indulge him. Yeah. And that's been the case the entire time that he's been the owner of this team. Yeah. So I just, I don't believe that Bruce is going anywhere. It seemed like with the layoffs that happened last week, there were power struggles that Bruce won. Mm -hmm. So I just think he's staying. I do think, though, the... singular thing the Redskins can do this offseason realistically that can make them a better team is to find someone to actually replace Scott McLuhan a year after he's been fired. Get a football hire to be responsible for personnel decisions and give them the title of general manager because Bruce Allen's a team president. He's evidently somewhat involved in personnel decisions. That that decision-making doesn't really seem to rest with any one person. They've trotted out Doug Williams to justify some personnel decisions, but that's not his role either. So if they can go out and find a guy who is responsible for evaluating talent not on their roster, evaluating the guys that they have currently and try to make some plans about making this team better on the field, then I think I might be able to stomach Bruce Allen sticking around to do whatever it is that he's supposed to be doing. Stomach Jay Gruden patrolling the sidelines. So I, I'm I'm generally for continuity. Obviously things aren't going well, but you know they didn't have a single guy who I felt confident throwing the football to this year. The receiving core was terrible. And I think some of that is a function of not having a true general manager who you can say that's a guy who made the draft picks, who went out and found free agents, and I think the Redskins could really take some steps forward and show some progress and continue continuity if they go out and get a general manager. Well, where where was Crowder? Was Crowder hurt most of the year? Yeah, mostly. Yeah, he yeah. was out he for maybe back, eight he weeks. He made a little bit of a splash, but... Yeah, I guess he was. I think he was. Healthy. He was in in the beginning, and we were winning, and then he was out when we needed him, and we were losing, and then he came back in desperation time, and, and we continued losing. And I still don't get why he like was like a, a top receiver with Kirk Cousins, and then like the next year. I think Cousins, some of it was he wasn't. He was the third receiver, and the other guys had to be covered, so yeah. he was getting himself open, but. Jordan Reed was playing at a higher level. Yeah. Chris Thompson was healthy, so he was getting touches out of the backfield. And it feels silly to say, but like again, man for man, they have they have some talented players. They have weaknesses for sure. Yeah. Linebacker, even though Ruben Foster is probably going to play, we'll talk about that another time. Um, they're going to have to replace a safety or two. I would love to see them go out and get another wide receiver, maybe shore up some or two or two. <laughs> shore up some offensive line depth. But these are the types of decisions that a general manager should be making, not a team president. And so if the Redskins are going to get better, they need to find someone who will do that for them. Stabby, I I do agree that they need a GM. I'm just concerned with the current setup 
that he's just going to turn into a scapegoat. That very well may be. It may be, but you don't know. And I mean, you got to try. You, you have to try. Yeah, I think we something needs to change. Like we we need to adjust. They they dragged Scott McLuhan through the mud and ran him out of town on a rail in like a really unprofessional way. And I do think if you're a prospective general manager, you're going to think twice about joining an organization like this. Absolutely. At the same time though, if for the last, let's say, 20 years, it's been your dream to be a general manager of an NFL team. You don't pass up an opportunity if it comes to you. Yeah, for sure. So there will be people who will want this job in spite of maybe their better judgment. And I, to all the potential legitimate general manager candidates who listen to Hogs Night of Portcast, please, please Take don't, heed. don't let... What has happened here in the past taint your perception. Please come to Washington you can do it. and make this a better team and we make this a team you. that people want to root for. So I guess on that note, uh, we should probably wind things down. We appreciate everyone tuning in and listening. Uh, we'll be back in your feed shortly, as will hopefully some other new different voices for Hogshaven. Uh, really looking forward to bringing in some of these these new folks. I don't want to tip my hand too much, but... As the person who's been reviewing tapes, I can tell you they're very good. And uh, I'm really looking forward to hearing what they have to say. So for that, I think we'll sign off for Dr. Jones, for Ned Botneal, for Beej Roomba, for Wayne Bretsky, a.k.a. Champs Drummer. Thank you all for tuning in. This was Hogs Night, a podcast. In route. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.